Even there was a change of power this past Friday, yet the true king and leader of these United States is Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. It doesn't matter what's going on in Russia. It doesn't matter what's going on in England, or Saudi Arabia, or 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Just in case you didn't know that address, that's the White House. God bless America. And God bless America. Amen? Amen? What we're about to see this morning is an amazing thing that you can truly crowd to God and tell him, I love you, I love you, I love you. Even if our nation was in shambles, it does not change who God is. It does not change the power of Christ. It doesn't change us. At least it shouldn't. Because there are people who are living in stick shacks, stick houses, cardboard houses, mud shacks. There are people who are living on the ground in the swamps, and yet they love God with all their hearts, with all their mind, with all their soul, and with all their strength. They love Jesus with everything within them. They don't love Jesus because of what he can give them. They love Jesus because they love Jesus. Amen? Amen. And this morning, it's going to be so wonderful what the Lord do with us this morning. We're going to go back a few hundred years before our Lord came into the world. And we're going to look at a time that in which in the nation of Israel, things were so tumultuous. Things were so bad. And yet, God sent a word of hope. God sent a word of encouragement. God sent a word of faith to his people that I got one on the way. And he's greater than anything you have ever seen. He's greater than any other government. He's greater than any other king. He's greater than any other father. He's greater than any counselor you can have. He is going to be wonderful beyond wonderful. Amen. Amen. And Israel, I can only imagine when a man of God was receiving this from the Holy Ghost, when Isaiah was receiving these words from God, I, I can imagine that he struggled to contain himself because this old prophet had seen so much destruction in the lives of his people. He had seen his people turn their back on God. What we're going to be looking at today in chapter 9, and we're going to be looking at chapter 11, is this man, before he penned this part of this letter to his people, had walked in the temple one day. And for him, it was going to almost be business as usual. You know how it is when we come in the house of God. Oh, got to go to church and just come in and not expecting anything extravagant, not expecting anything beyond our wildest dream or imagination. But God was sitting there waiting on him. Come on, somebody. When Isaiah walked in the temple in chapter 6, he didn't have no idea that Jesus was sitting there waiting on him. 
And when he did, oh my God, what a revelation knowledge that brother received from the Lord God himself. Because he gave an incredible testimony. And it's a testimony that the Lord Jesus Christ wants us to have today. And Isaiah said, and when he walked in the temple, he said, I saw the Lord sitting where? On his throne. How was he? High and lifted up. Woo! Come on, somebody. That's the kind of revelation knowledge we want when we walk in the house of God. That's the kind of expectancy we need to have as a people of God that God is on his throne. And he's presence among his people. And Isaiah went on to tell you and I, he said, in his train, the train of his robe filled the entire temple of heaven. Isaiah thought he had walked in the temple in Jerusalem and he had found himself in the temple of God in heaven and seen Jesus sitting on the throne. And the glory of Jesus went beyond his wildest imagination. That's what it represented. That the glory of the Lord filled the entire temple of heaven. Now that must have been a sight to see. And then that old man and seeing the glory of God upon the throne took a look at himself he did what we call an introspect when he turned and looked inside of himself and said woe unto me I'm a man with unclean lips otherwise I am a sinner and I'm standing before a God who is what? Holy. Why? Because he heard the angels of God flying back and forth in heaven shouting holy, holy, holy is the Lord God. Can you imagine seeing that? Woo, that must have been something. And that's what I tell you all. When you come into the house of the Lord, expect great and mighty things from our God. He's not a mediocre God. He's not a God of stone or a God of wood where he doesn't interact with his people. When God shows up, things happen. Amen. Woo, are you hearing me? So that day when that old man walked in that temple, he had no idea, Deacon Amelia, that he was going to walk into the presence of God. It was no longer, Brother David, business as usual. Okay? God just established a high bar for Isaiah. Are you hearing me? And it's the same bar that God is establishing for his people today. And remember through the same prophet, he would tell the nation of Israel, I am the Lord your God, and I change not. His meaning, he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. That's who he is. So when you come into God's presence, expect to see God sitting on the throne. Expect to see Jesus sitting on the throne, high and lifted up. Amen? Amen. And then when you look and see where God has you, when that old man, through the glory and presence of God, realized his earthly state, otherwise he was a sinner, he said, woe unto me, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people who's unclean. He 
He realized the insufficiency of human righteousness. It's not good enough for God. Amen? And when he said that, one of the angels went and got a coal off the altar of God that represented the blood of Jesus and came back and touched that old man's lips. And he said, you're no longer unclean for your sins have been what? Purged. That's glorious. That's glorious. Amen. That's glorious. That means God had just took that man's sins and cast them into the sea of forgiveness and never ever to retrieve them again. And that's what life is all about. The life in Jesus. Am I a little bit excited for a man that's been wrestling all night long in the spirit? Because I'm here to tell you, if I could take from my mind's eye and show you the things that God was showing me, you would just hold on to God with every strength of your fiber. You would hold on to God with everything in you and not surrender anything to the evil one. So today, as we are preparing our hearts for prayer, as we go into the word of God here, you're going to hear something about Jesus that the religious leaders of Israel should have paid attention to. Because when he appeared to them face to face, they had no idea the significance of who Jesus is in their presence. That means God came all the way from heaven to what? To earth and were standing before men. They had no idea that they were looking at the Holy One of God. And yet all they could see was a man from the earth who called himself a carpenter because they were looking at God with earthly eyes rather than looking at Jesus with God eyes. And Jesus never ever stooped to their level by denying his true existence. He never denied his true identity. Even though they tried to get him to denounce who he was, he said, no, 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 no. If I say that I'm not from God, that make me a liar just like you. Woo! So today, what the Lord is wanna get across to you, do not look at yourselves the same anymore from this day forward. Are you hearing me? Because what Jesus brought to the earth is something far greater than we can ever imagine. And that's what we're going to see today. We're going to see the glory of Jesus in ways that we've never seen before. We're going to experience the presence of Jesus if you allow the Holy Spirit of the living God to take you into the spiritual level of God. Bring you into the presence of God. Forget about writing on boards. Forget about taking right notes. Put your minds on Jesus and he will bring this message back to you boys and girls. If you would just focus today on Jesus, adults, Allow the Spirit to usher you into the presence of God through the Word of God, by the Spirit of God, and you will see the things of God. Is that all right? Amen. Is that what you want? Because after all, you came here. You didn't come to look at me. <laughs> you come to hear from God. In order to hear from God, you must get into God's 
presence. Are you hearing me? You must now begin to shift your minds. Every head bow now. You must begin to shift your thoughts from the earth and put them in heaven where Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. You must now, babies, begin to see Jesus seated at the right hand of God looking now at you. That's where you are in the spirit. You're now in the presence of God in the spirit. That's where we're supposed to be when we come into this place. Come on, if you're still, put down the clipboards, kids. Put them down right now. Put them down. Put them down. They're not important right now. Jesus is every head bow now. Every head bow now. I know that is that what, what you're about to do with those, those are important. But right now, the presence of Jesus is more important than a clipboard. Okay? Now, as I as I pray, nobody looking around now, it's it's you and Jesus. This is so amazing how we come together here in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and yet God has given us an audience of one with him. Every head bow now. Come on. We're in the presence of the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you. Lord God, there's none like you, Father. What an absolute joy it is to be in your presence. And Lord God, we know that you're holy, you're clean, you're pure. Sin cannot come near you. And you're righteous in all of your ways. And you never make a mistake. You never have mishaps. You never have accidents. Everything you do, Lord God, is perfect. And Lord Jesus has demonstrated that to us, Father, that through his death upon the cross, he showed forth the perfection of God in humanity. How he came and yet without sin brought us near unto you. And when he had his arms stretched out on that cross, while his earthly body was in great agony. Father, you took the blanket of sin from man and you laid it upon your son's shoulder. And thus he became sin on our behalf so that sin could be crucified that day and never, ever, ever have control over our lives again. On that day, Jesus, you buried sin in the grave. You buried his control. You buried his authority. You buried everything that sin had on us. And you cleaned us up. You washed us in your own blood. And we're forever thankful, Son of God, that you, Jesus the Christ, the Holy One of God, came here at the command of God to save us from our sins. And Lord, not only to save us from our sins, but through your loving heart, you made us sons and daughters of God. You wanted us in the family of God forever. You didn't just want people to serve. You want a family to love. And Lord, that's what you made us. Through your death on the cross, through the shedding of your blood, through the brokenness of your body, you made us sons and daughters of God most high. And thereby we can cry out right now, Abba, Father.
who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And we continue to stress and call on you, O God, that your kingdom come and that your will, Father, be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Lord, but you didn't stop it there. While you was yet praying on the Mount of Olives, teaching men and women how to call on God, you told us to ask God, give us our daily break. Give us the things we need, Father. Give us everything to sustain life every day, Lord. Because without you, we would perish more than just spiritually. We would perish physically if you didn't supply our every need. And then God, and the greatest of your glory and the absolute surety of your grace, you told us through your son Jesus in that prayer that you have forgiven us of our sins, of our trespasses, of our debts by Jesus. And in doing so, we are also to forgive others who have debted us, who have trespassed against us, who have sinned against us. And that we're to let them go, freedom from that debt. And then God, in your absolutely kindness and your generosity of protecting your children, Jesus said we're to pray and keep us from the evil one. And yes, Lord, oh God, you have kept us from the evil one. And then Jesus summed it up as the words of King David ring throughout the centuries. For thine is the kingdom. Yes, Lord, he reminded us that in your kingdom, you told us as you have kept us from the evil one, you said that you will not tempt us, but you will, Lord, bring us on home. And when we find ourselves in position of being tempted beyond that which we're able, Lord, we're to call on you, Lord God, and you being faithful in all of your ways will in turn give us the strength we need in Jesus to resist temptation, just as Jesus did, who was tempted in every way, but without sin. Now, Lord, as your children are looking at you, as they're absolutely design your presence, Father, Lord, we can truly now say, Thine is the kingdom, O God, on earth and in heaven. It's yours. Your kingdom is absolutely wider than we can ever imagine, taller than we can ever reach, and deeper than we can ever crawl. Because yours is the kingdom, and the power belongs to you, O God. All power, Jesus, you said, have been given to you and all authority that is in heaven and upon the earth. And in that blessedness, Lord, you told us now and forever and ever. Amen. In Jesus' name. And the people of God says, Amen. And God good in all of his ways. And so can you imagine the prophet Isaiah having seen the extraordinary presence of the Lord in the temple of God? I, I, I'm telling you, I, I don't know what I would have done, but I'm sure I probably would have done what Isaiah did. I would have looked at myself as being, whoa, man, you ain't supposed to be here. <laughs> God, please don't take me out. Okay? 
But yet, God was gentle with this old man. And right on the spot where he's seeing the presence of God, God blessed him by removing his sins from him. As far as the east is from the west, God removed the sin from him. Now, Isaiah goes on to write, we don't know how much further along in days in which Isaiah continued to pen this letter to his people, as the Spirit of God is directing his heart to do so. In chapter 9, Isaiah knew that there was a government coming into the land of Israel that was going to oppress the people. He knew that there would be various forms of governments over the time and that I'm playing with the coins in my pocket. Shame on me. Anyway, he realized that there would be government coming. There would be changes of guard. There would be a transition of power, just like what occurred in our, in our country this past Friday. Amen? And, and Isaiah knew that things would become unstable in his country. And he also knew that God had made a promise. That God had made a promise to King David that there would never cease to be a man to sit up on David's throne, okay? And that the kingship of David, there would always be a king where? In Israel. And he said, but this king is going to be something different. Now, David did testify about this king, and you all can read that testimony in Psalms 2. It's an amazing testimony, and it is the first glimpse where we would see that this common king not only would be this great and magnificent ruler in Israel, but this king would actually be the son of God. Go back and read Psalms 2. It's such a perfect picture of what God said today. I have begotten you. He's talking to Jesus. And he said, you are my son forever. Ask of me and I will give you the nations as your inheritance and the end of the earth, your possession. That means Jesus would be the king of kings and the what? Lord of lords. Somebody ought to get excited about that. It doesn't matter who's in the White House, whether you're black or white in the White House. Jesus Christ is king over all the what? Earth. Now we established that. Let's take a look and see what God is doing with his son. Now, why is it important for you to know what God is doing with his son, Jesus? 700 years before he came into the world. And then not only are we going to look at chapter 9 and 11, we're going to fast forward through all of this. And I want you to understand we're going to go to John chapter 8 and we're going to see the king standing and talking to people. And it's going to be a great confrontation where he's going to tell them, I am from above and you are from beneath. He's going to have a heavenly mindset, a mindset in which he want his people today to have. Why? Because Jesus is tired of children of God having a defeated spirit. It is time now to stand up and walk in the victorious spirit of Jesus. It's now time to change our way of thinking. It is now time to see things the way Jesus sees them. Is that okay? That means now 
there's going to be a battle that takes place in your mind. And by the blood of Jesus, you got to conquer that battle because the enemy is not going to want you to stay in this new mindset of seeing things the way God sees them. Is that all right? Jesus is giving you everything you need to defeat the enemy. But first, let's take a look at what he will do. And then we will see him carrying this action out on earth. And as we see that, then we have to practice in our own walk of mimicking everything that Lord Jesus Christ did on earth as the son of God. Are you ready for this? Because as the people of God, you are not the same. Hello. You're not the same as other humans. We are different. Are you hearing me? We are different. So let's see what Isaiah began to tell the people of God of his day. Nevertheless, the gloom would not be upon her who is distressed. In other words, Isaiah, what does distress mean? That means you're going to go out and have a party? No, distress means things are bad. But Isaiah said the gloom of that is not going to be upon God's people. Okay? That's a word of what? Hope. That's a word of what? What, what, what we want to call that? These are words of encouragement. These are words of victory. No matter what's going on in the earth, God's people don't have to worry about it. That's powerful. Look on. As when at first he, talking about Jesus, lightly extinguished the land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali. Folks, that's northern Israel. Let me be more specific with you. These are the areas of Navarus and Capernaum. All of that region up there around the Sea of Galilee. The area in which was under tight Roman control. The area in which Jesus, by Isaiah, would call Galilee of the Gentiles, means the Gentiles controlled Galilee, the northern part of Israel. Now, where would the Messiah live at? He would live in Galilee. Remember, he lived in Nazareth and then shift his home over to Capernaum, right there at the Sea of Galilee, in the heart of Gentile country. Capernaum was controlled by Gentiles. And the roads coming out of Syria, going down into Egypt, came through that area. Understanding biblical geography, when you look at this, this is an amazing thing that the Lord is saying. And these people, the Gentile, oppress God's people in that area. When you came there, you had to pay taxes, okay? And one of the tax collectors, one of the books of the Bible's name after him. What is his name? Zacchaeus. Matthew. Matthew, there you go. Matthew was a tax collector in Capernaum, sitting in the roadway in his booth, collecting taxes from people, oppressing his people with what? Taxes. For who? For the Romans, who are Gentiles. Oh, you see the picture coming? Do you see it clear now? It wasn't good times. Okay? But yet, God has promised something here that even those Gentiles would see the light.
Jesus would be the light even to those Gentiles who sat in the shadow of darkness. In other words, the, the shadow of darkness means there's no hope. They were hopeless. <clears throat> now, let me tell you something. One Gentile heard about Jesus. One of the people who had control over God's people in Galilee heard about Jesus. And his servant was sick near to what? To death. And he, came, he said, oh, we got to go to Jesus. So he set out to meet Jesus. And then he said, when he got there, he looked at Jesus and he knew that Jesus was a man of what? Of authority. He realized this is no ordinary Jew that I'm talking to. This was a Roman centurion. He was over Roman soldiers. He had Jews as his slaves. But yet, he knew about Jesus. And he said, in his own heart, there's nobody that can help my dying servant. And I tell you, he must have cared something dearly about this servant in order to not want him to die, right? In order for him to travel that distance to go and find Jesus, he realized, whoa, 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 this man is not like everybody else. And when he showed up, he says to Jesus, I too am a man of what? Authority. He said, but I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. Now that's humility, folks. That's humility. Sorry. Now, as this, this uh, centurion is talking to Jesus, that's when he began to describe his authority and how it's carried out. He said, I say to this one, come. And it does what? Come. And I say to that one, go. And it does what? He goes. And he said, but Lord, I'm not even worthy that you should come under my roof. But do what? Speak the word. Our Lord Jesus, there's power in what? In your word. There's authority in your word. All you got to do is what? Speak the word. Amen. He understood that, being a military man of the greatest army on earth at that time. And this man may have been in battle. So he understood when he said to a soldier, go and charge the enemy. He knew that they had to go. So he knew that when Jesus speaks, that things were going to happen in the spirit realm. He had to know that Jesus' authority was not what? Earthly. That he controlled all authority on earth. And he had all power what? on earth. This man had to recognize that being a Roman officer, that his power and his authority could not match that of Jesus. That Jesus was superior to him. And yet, he looked like a common man wearing common people clothing but he's more powerful than this great Roman soldier the officer in the Roman army now there had to be something in it and yet this took place in Galilee 
Folks, if you will allow the spirit to take you now, look beyond the baby in the manger. Look beyond the man that's on the cross, the body. Look beyond the man that they were spitting in his face. <coughs> the one who they drug through the streets of Jerusalem. Look beyond the one that they were cussing out and always getting in his face and telling them about himself. Look beyond that and see the God in the man. Because that's what Isaiah is about to tell Israel. That this king that's coming, he's no ordinary king. Okay? So the land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali, and afterwards more heavily oppress her by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan and the Galilee of the Gentiles. We just talked about that. The people who walked in darkness have seen what? A great light. One of the things that John writes in his prelude in the Gospel of John in chapter 1, he said that Jesus is the light of the world. And he gives light to every man coming into what? The world. And that light is the life of men. I wonder what the wise men thought when they looked at this small child. I wonder what they were thinking. Okay? I wonder what did the shepherds see when they arrived at the stable? They saw a baby. But did they understand this baby was more than a human? What did Mary think once she got through all that birth pain? You women understand that? And had this precious little one on her breast. What was she thinking as she held the Son of God, who in essence is God, in her arms? What did Joseph think as he looked down at this precious little one? The one whom he thought just come through the womb is the one who had created him. What was she thinking? <coughs> and Herod in all his foolishness definitely didn't get it. <laughs> Go kill him. How can you kill God? How? How? The Gentiles says upon them a light has shined. When Jesus walked the streets of Capernaum, one of the indictments that he made against three cities, Chorazin, Bethsaida, and Capernaum. Capernaum in particular, because of all the cities of Israel, Capernaum saw his miracles, his wonders, and the signs he did more than any other city. And he said to Capernaum, you who have been exalted to heaven shall be cast down to hell. Why? Because he said, what was done in you had it been done in Sodom and Gomorrah, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But you, Capernaum, refuses to repent. What does that mean? That means, Emma, that 
Jesus, when he would walk through the streets of Capernaum, people would press their way just to touch the hem of his garment. Those who were sick knew immediately they would be made whole of their diseases, of their sickness. Demons would come crying out of people. All the, the ones who were demon-possessed had to just walk by doing touch him, and the demons would come out of them. Isn't that something? Gentiles and Jews alike came searching for Jesus in Galilee. And yet, the people of Capernaum witnessed Jesus' presence. They witnessed his working miracles. They witnessed his words. They even heard that this crazy man walked on water. Because that's what they call him. He's crazy. And some even say he quiet in a storm. He did that. He did that. I was right out from Capernaum. He did that. Maybe some wind stopped too. They witnessed it. And when he fed the 5,000, guess where they went back to? The next day they arrived in Capernaum. Capernaum. Looking for him to repeat it. And then he got on their case and told them, I'm the bread of life. That came down from where? From heaven. And unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can have no part of me. And they go, he's crazy. He got a demon in it. What do you mean eat his flesh and drink his blood? Okay. Most of y'all today would have a man, you a psycho. And so, as we look at this, an amazing thing, this great man of God is telling the people of God, you have multiplied the nation and increased its joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. It's two different images that Isaiah is talking about there. Mr. David, when a farmer goes out and plants his crops, and that crop brings forth abundance, and you get ready to harvest that crop, he go and find the best workers he can find to work in what? And the harvest, right? Mm -hmm. And when they begin to bring the harvest in, that farmer is what? He's excited. Yeah. Because his fields had yielded up a great harvest. And says so same thing in the in the next verse there. He's talking about an army going out to war. And it kicking his enemy's butt. And when he did, they take all the spoils of war, all their weapons, all their food, all their gold, all their horses or mules or, or donkeys, whatever they had. Dead men can't use those things. <laughs> Amen? And so they take the spoils and they're rejoicing, but look what we got. Amen? People of God, through Jesus, Jesus Christ, through his death, on the cross, when he came out of the grave, defeated his enemy, who's our enemy, and he left the spoils of war, called the blessings of God upon us that the enemy has stolen from us. Okay? Jesus Christ gave us the victory by his what? By his blood. Yeah. Amen? And he gave back to us what had been taken, the authority and power of almighty God. <laughs> Woo. What you talking about, preacher? Did God not make Adam and Eve lords over this world? 
He said, be fruitful and multiply and have what? Dominion over all the earth. They had power from on high to tell that serpent, get your little slicky butt right on out of here because we're not having any of that. But they didn't realize the power that God had given them. Most of us today do not realize the power in which Jesus has given us. Uh-oh. He is meddling. That means Jesus wants your earthly mindset to shift now. Back to heaven. Because there are no defeated children of God in heaven. Hello? You must have the tenacity. You must be like a bulldog and go after the power and authority of God that's in Christ Jesus that's been given to you. That's why I was wrestling this morning because my flesh didn't want to understand what God was showing me in the spirit this morning. And I finally had to get out of bed and just... When God brings you to a level of understanding, you need to know who Jesus is. Okay? And so, for you have broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor. Folks, Satan wants God's people to be oppressed. He wants you to be downtrodden. He wants you to give up. And he doesn't want you to understand the victory that we have in Jesus. It's time out now for God's people to start recognizing who we are in Christ Jesus. I heard two testimony and I knew that the spirit was speaking to me in the last two or three days. I heard it from two different preachers. And then I realized that the Holy Ghost was talking to me. One man, I heard him speaking like two or three o'clock in the morning. And he said he was driving in his truck. All of a sudden, he started feeling really, really bad. And then he realized what was happening. I mean, it was really bad for him. And then the Spirit spoke to him about the body and the blood of Jesus, which we call, when we do it, we call it what? Communion. He said he looked over there and had a half-eaten Snickers bar because he didn't have any bread. He said, that's going to have to do. And he had a half-drink Pepsi that's been in the bottle for days. He said, that has to act as the blood. He stopped his truck and he had communion. And instantaneously his body was healed. By what? By the broken body of Jesus. And by the blood of Jesus, he received the victory over the attack of the enemy on his body. Uh, sneaker and a oh, hello, somebody. He ain't taking that just go out and buy a sneaker and a Pepsi to do that. You got to remember what he was doing with it. He was remembering the victory of the body and the blood of Jesus. <laughs> and so my ear caught that. Less than 48 hours later, I heard another preacher told the congregation across the water. He said, listen, when... Excuse me, when you're sick, when you're feeling bad, or when you're struggling with an addiction or something, he said, this is what you need to do. 
You need to go and get the wine and the blood, I mean, and the bread, okay? Get the blood of Jesus and the body of Jesus and have communion and realize there's power in the blood and that by Jesus' stripes, we are healed. And then when I heard that, I said, oh, oh, God, that's two. That's out of the mouth of what? Two witnesses. Sammy Nelson, hello. Hello, somebody. God is what? Speaking. What did you say? What one? I don't go there. <laughs> and, I, I, and I realized that this thing is bigger than me. <laughs> the enemy want to try and stop people from hearing this message. Listen. Isaiah is telling us an extraordinary thing here. So the oppressor, when he comes, is looking for one purpose, and that's to destroy you. Look at the last part of verse 4 here. It says, as in the day of Midian. The, folks, that, that's a very powerful clue. You have to understand what was taking place in Israel, in Galilee, in that area. Okay? Up around what we call the Herod Valley lies a mountain. And right out from that mountain, the, the Herod Valley was conducive for growing wheat. Okay? And when Israel, during the time of the judges, would grow their wheat, the Midianites knew the seasons. And they would come with a great army. And they would raid into Israel and they would take their wheat and they would take their sheep. They would take their flocks and they would take their crops from them. And the people barely had enough food to live on. Until one night, the smallest man in his family was hiding in the threshing floor. He was doing what? He was threshing wheat. He was taking that old pitchfork, throwing the wheat up in the air so the chaff can separate from the grain. Anybody know who this is? Gideon. When God showed up, he said, oh, mighty man of valor. <laughs> you talking to me? And God called him as he saw him. Why? God wasn't looking at Gideon with an earthly mindset. He was looking at Gideon from a heavenly mindset. Remember, God doesn't see us as we what? See us. Jesus doesn't see you as you see you. You got to come up to Jesus level and see yourself as Jesus sees you. And when Gideon finally got it, what happened? God took Gideon along with 300 men and gave them what? The victory. And they defeated the Midianites. I just told you a condensed part of the story. You need to go to the book of Judges and read it for yourself. Okay? Jesus the king. And so he would go in. For every warrior sandals from the noisy battle and garments rolled in blood will be used for burning and fuel of the fire. God said, listen, I know that the enemy is coming against you. But I got one that's on the way. And he's going to take what belongs to the enemy and he's going to use it to, to bring you comfort. Because that's what that represented. When you take the enemy dead clothes and stuff and you burn it so you can heat yourself. Mm. Hello, somebody. You go, that's nasty. No, it's not. That's life. 
And I can tell you from personal, when we was in battle against Iraq, the nights got cold and we had taken a lot of their soldiers as enemies. And you know what I told my soldiers? I said, go and find something to keep them warm. So they went among the dead and pulled their blankets out and they brought it back and throwed it to the soldiers that was living. You think the living soldier cared that the blanket once belonged to their dead buddy? No, they wrapped that blanket around them. And my wife asked, she said, you didn't get my blanket from one of those dead people. <laughs> I said, no, sweet, I got yours from the store. <laughs> I thought I would throw that in there. Now, for unto us a child is born. Isaiah said, hey, look, he's coming. The Messiah is coming. This king is coming. And he's going to be a human. He's going to be like you and he's going to be like me. But yet he's not like us. Unto us a son is given us. He even told us what the sex of this baby is going to be. This ruler, he's going to be a man just like David. But yet he's not going to be from David. Amen. Amen. <laughs> And the government will be upon his shoulders. I don't care what President Trump has promised. I don't care about the mistakes of President Obama. I don't care about the mouth of Vladimir Putin. Let me tell you, there's no government on earth that's greater than Jesus. Amen. And there's a day coming when there's going to be a one world government and the Antichrist is going to rule that one world government and Jesus is going to crush it. Read the book of Daniel. Jesus is going to take it down, baby. <laughs> Hello. Y'all look at me like, what you talking about, Willis? <laughs> Jesus is going to take down the one world government. The Antichrist will be destroyed. I don't care how powerful the government thinks they are. Jesus Christ is superior. Yes, he is the king. Okay. Now, listen what Isaiah said he would be. Not only is he going to establish the government of God upon the earth. This is what is going to happen. And his name will be called Wonderful. Amen. You'll be able to call upon him and be glad that you're calling this name. I know when we used to call a certain name of a president, boy, some of us got angry. Hello. Uh, Sometimes when we called on the name of certain world leaders, we got what? Angry, didn't we, Junior? But this one, when we call upon Wonderful, you ought to be getting excited. Okay? As you love him, he also what? Loved you. And he loved you even if you don't what? Love him. He loves everybody. And he's still providing. And ones who call themselves atheists. He loved them too. The ones that want to cuss him out and shake their fists at him. He loved them too. Look at the Roman soldiers who nailed them to the cross. What did Jesus say about them? He says to the Father, He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Amen? So He's wonderful. 
I know when Miss Nelson and I was dating, and I still do, she don't realize it, and that's shame on me. <laughs> when I used to, y'all remember that phones you used to have to put, that AT&T pay phone? You had to go put that dime in there to make that call? Yeah. I made the telephone lit up when I called Miss Nelson's name. Belinda, that phone just started radiating. Here she is, boy. <laughs> Hello. There's one greater than Belinda in my heart. And his name is Jesus. Jesus. Amen? Amen? I know, buddy. Am I right, Junior? You used to call the name of Sherry Ann. Your cell phone used to get happy, didn't it? <laughs> you lit it up. <laughs> okay? Sit <laughs> down. Amen? And so, but Jesus is greater than our earthly loved ones. Are y'all seeing this picture? So shall be called wonderful. And, and he won't push you away because he's also counselor. Another word for counselor is comforter. That means that Jesus in the midnight hour will hear your prayer. He will hear your cry when nobody else will. And he will understand you when no one else understands you. And you can tell him all your secrets and he won't put them in the streets. Hello. And he won't stab you in the back. And he won't call you stupid. And he won't call you crazy. He won't call you. He might say ignorant because it's in the word of God because there are people that's ignorant now. Come on. The word of God said so. That means without knowledge. God himself said that. I, I do not want my people to be what? Ignorant. Now, she's going to be called counselor. That means we can go to him and more importantly, he will come to us. Let me give you a biblical testimony. One of the most powerful men that work in the power of God on earth was a prophet Elijah. Anybody ever heard of him? Okay. You remember the great defeat of the false prophets on Mount Carmel? The prophets of Baal? And he, you know, had to show down the calling down on fire upon the meat, the altar. Y'all remember reading that over in the book of Kings? You say yes, because you read the Bible. <laughs> now, <laughs> don't make him out to a liar. <laughs> and we know that God gave Elijah the victory that day. Amen? Amen. And so King Ahab was sitting there and he was witnessing all of this. And he was a Jew. And yet he went back and told his his Gentile wife named Jezebel what Elijah, what Elijah had done and how he had killed all 450 false prophets. Actually, I think the total was, if you look at it, was about 800 false prophets Elijah had killed with the sword. Okay? And so Jezebel said, you go and tell Elijah that if I don't make his life like one of theirs in the next, what, 24 hours. Otherwise, she just put a contract out on his head. Said, I'm going to kill Elijah. You know what happened to that man? Fear entered his heart. This great man of God all of a sudden got scared. And he began to run with his servant. And he dropped his servant off in the southern part of Israel. And he kept booking up. And then look back. And you know what? He got so weary in his journey from fear. He didn't eat and he didn't drink. And all of a sudden, on his pilgrimage of running away from Jezebel, excuse me, God had an angel show up. 
Who found Elijah? God knew where he was all the time. And so during that escapade, the angel fed Elijah. And then he told him to lay down and sleep. Take your rest for the journey is long. Then he woke him up and he did what with him? He said, eat and drink again. Now then, lay down and take your rest for the journey is long. You're going to need your strength, Elijah. And so for the next 40 days and 40 nights, Elijah did not eat or drink. And he was hiding in the cave. He's thinking of the same cave that David hid in, the cave of Adullam. And all of a sudden, the ground began to shake. Woo! Jesus. Somebody just showed up. Jesus. And all of a sudden, the wind began to blow. It began to holler. Jesus. Who just showed up? Jesus. Oh, yeah, baby. They're getting it. And all of a sudden, fire came. Guess who just showed up? Jesus. Yes, yes, yes. God just showed up. And he went after his son. So when you're not able to call on God, if you're not able to seek God out in your darkest hour, that tells you and I that God will seek you out. Amen. Amen. And, and God showed up in a great way, babies. And he said, Elijah, in a small, still voice, what are you doing here? And Elijah began to give God a sad story. And God began to, in a kind way, rebuke him. He said, I'm the only one left that's alive to serve you who have not bowed his knee to Baal. And God said, oh, no, Elijah. I got 7,000 over in another cave who have not bowed their knee to Baal. Amen. Amen. God said, I still got some faithful servants on the earth. Come on, somebody. When you are down and destitute, Jesus will come and find you. Yeah. He's our counselor. And that's what happened with Elijah. And you see, isn't it good to know the Bible stories? Mm -hmm. He's a mighty God. There's a religious group that's running around here telling people that Jesus is not God. He's not, because the Bible says he's not almighty God, but he's the mighty God. Therefore, he can't be God. I see you're playing semantics. I say, now, we can play that word, but we can do what God says. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. I said, now, do, do you want to play with God like that? You go right ahead. But I know what my Bible says, that Jesus is God. And the word was made, what? Flesh and dwelt among us. Okay? Yes, as a man, he is the son of God. But in the spirit, he what? Is God. Amen. And you can say what you want to. Amen? And now, so he's the mighty God. You remember what God told Abraham, that old man, and his wife, who was an old woman, that's Sam and Belinda. And God come in and said, you're going to have a child. I told my wife the other day, I said, I dreamed you had a baby. She said, what? She said, that was a dream. God be the glory. Had a little boy, and his name was Samuel. 
<laughs> now listen, that was a dream. <laughs> Look at this. What did God do with that old man and old woman? He blessed him with a child. Amen, because he's the mighty God. What did Jesus say to the wind and to the sea? Peace, what? Because he's what? He's the mighty God. Amen. And even the elements realize that he's what? The mighty God. Come on, somebody. Control everything. And then, for those of you that feel that your father have rejected you or your father died when you was a baby like I was, a year and a half old when my dad died, never knowing my father's love, listen what it says. He's the what? Everlasting Father. One of the first things that the Lord Jesus Christ introduced back into Israel in his very first sermon, known as the Sermon on the Mount, he said, our what? Our father. Mm-hmm. And not only said our, but he said, your father who well, your father who is in heaven. He reintroduced God as the father of Israel. That's awesome. Letting the world know that God who is God is also a father. And you can call him Father. Amen? You're never too big or too old. I resemble that. <laughs> he didn't say resent, he said resemble. Hello. And then he goes on to tell us that he's the Prince of Peace. When all hell breaks loose, and it will upon the earth, it's coming. It's going to be a worldwide war. It's going to be worldwide harm, worldwide catastrophes. Men and women, boys and girls are going to be going after each other. Jesus himself said, mother against daughter, daughter against mama, daughter-in-law against their mother-in-law, sons against their fathers, brothers against brothers, and sisters against sisters, neighbor against neighbors. It's going to, yes, 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 the word of God say so, young lady. And it's going to get really, really bad. Not like you two do. Now, <laughs> that's all right, baby. I know sisters and brothers fight today, but Jesus is talking about another kind of fight in here. This is when you're going to need to know that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And he's going to come back. And he's going to make what? Peace upon the earth. Now, on a smaller scale, he'll make peace in your family too. And he'll make peace between husband and wife and daughter and mama and son and daddy. Okay? He's is. He's capable of doing that too. But this is on a larger scale. And listen, and we didn't even get to those other, other chapters yet, did we? But we will next week. Because this is an amazing thing what God is doing here. He wants you to stop looking at yourself as you just a nobody. 
Look at the final thing here uh, as we, of our verse for today. Passages. Of the increase of his, of his government and peace, there will be what? No end. There is no end to Jesus' rule. His government is going to last forever. His peace is going to last forever. Okay? So there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time for even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. God said, I told you, now I'm going to what? Do it. So are they? Good times are on the way. Good times are on the way. Amen? And so we'll pick up in chapter 11 next week of this. Part 2. Chapter 9 told us his office. What he's going to do. Chapter 11 is going to tell us how he's going to think. In a sense. How he operates in the spirit world. That's what chapter 11 is going to tell us. And then in John chapter 8, when we get there, it's going to show us him living it out on earth. Amen? Amen. So today we just looked at his what? His office. Is that all right? Son of the Lord's willing. We're going to look at him spiritually. How he is completely separate than all of humanity, yet he's one of us. Amen? I'm excited about this. It may even be a three-part message. I don't know. We just did part one today. Okay? And so, y'all didn't have to take a lot of notes today. Sometime God wants you to just put the notebook down. And listen, when I was a student, and I was a student for a long time, there were times in which I had to put the notebook down, put the pencil on the desk, and just listen. And my greatest learning come from me what? Being still. Psalms 46.10. Be still and know that I'm God. Sometimes God just wants you to be quiet. A lot of my prayer time is just being quiet before the Lord. Miss Vicky. She don't know sign language, I guess. We're going to have to teach her. I do. I do. This is an ancient message, folks, that came from the Lord God himself. God speaking on the behalf of God. Like Psalms 2 says, I mean, um, over in Hebrews chapter 2, my God said to my God. Isn't that awesome? 
So God is speaking. You and I don't have anything to worry about because our God, he is king. And his office, meaning government, is upon his shoulders. And ain't no dog gonna come and knock it off his shoulders. You know how you get dogs on the block, want to see who the baddest dog on the block? Does David understand that? And so do you. Me too. You do? Well, God bless you, little one. <laughs> Jesus Christ is king. There's no doubt about that. He worked in Isaiah's day. Isaiah got a chance to see him in his glory. Okay? In his majesty. Today, boys and girls, Jesus wants you to see him. Sitting on his throne, wearing his crown. The Bible says that he has many diadems upon his head. That means he, he wears more than one crown. He has many crowns. Many. And the sepulcher, that thing that the king holds, that rod, his is made out of pure gold. And with that, he will rule the nations. I mean, he has authority over the nations. They will answer to him. And when he, with his dress of his, his, his colorful robe, that splendid looking robe that he's wearing, it's the glory of God. It's the glory of God. Every head bowed, I'm not going to belabor this. We, we're going to get on up out of here now. The, the work of the Lord is finished. But next Sunday, when you come back in this place, come. Come and be like Isaiah. Come and expect to see Jesus sitting on his throne, high and lifted up. Okay? Expect his robe, in other words, the glory of God, to fill this place. Amen? Every head bow, Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. You're awesome in all of your ways, Lord Jesus. God has made you king of all creation, and you're Lord over all the nations. And there's but one king for all the people of God, and that's King Jesus. Thank you, Father God, for making your son king. And Lord, we ask now that you establish your kingdom here. You bring forth your kingdom and bless us to be a part of that kingdom. And Lord Jesus, we ask now that by the power of the Holy Spirit that you fill us with your presence and give us the power to go out and witness to others that they too will be a part of your kingdom. And now God, our God, Bless your people, Israel, and bless our new president and his cabinet. Bless your people around the world. Let us stand bold and firm on our belief in the Lord Jesus Christ and proclaim that Jesus is Lord and not be afraid. Now, Father, we love you, and we ask you to watch over us until we meet again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. I close this out. You don't have to worry about closing this out. <laughs>